Hey everyone. I'll tell you what, that was, as Yanni said, Yanni said this before, but I just want to um, affirm him, affirm her in what she said. That was literally the most important thing that happened tonight and the most important thing that happened to you all day. Because you just heard the living, the God of the universe who made everything, you just heard him speaking to you. So I want to encourage you guys, especially if you're Christian, make sure you're listening during the Bible reading. That's the most important part of church because we're hearing God speak. Um, how about I pray as, um, as we get into this and, um, and then we'll do it. So pray with me. Father, thank you so much for speaking to us just then. That's heaps good. And we love you for that. We thank you for that. Uh, I pray, God, that now you would help us to understand what you've just said. Uh, I pray, Father, for these guys that they would focus, they would take seriously what's going on as they um, have you speak to them and have uh, your words explained so that they can understand what you, the God of the universe, says. And Lord, I pray that you would please help us to focus and, Father, please change us, uh, help us to understand sin better and help us to um, obey Jesus more because of this. Um, would you please do that in us? In Jesus' name, Amen. Imagine a guy who's a slave, and his name is Sam, Sam the slave. And Sam's father was a slave. Not you, Sam. You're not a slave. Sam's grandfather was a slave, and his great-grandfather was a slave. And Sam has all his family and all the generations in the hundreds of years before, they've all been slaves. And Sam and his family, they don't have a home. And so Sam, he sleeps in the little corner of a shed that his owner has given him to sleep in. But all Sam does, he just, he works for this guy and he sleeps at night in the corner in the dirt. And that's all he ever does. He doesn't own anything. He's got no nice home to go home to. That's Sam. Now imagine a powerful warrior. And his name is Fred. Freedom giving Fred. And freedom giving Fred, he does what he does best, right? And he goes and he gives freedom to Sam the slave. He rescues him and he comes along with all, like he's a sick sword and his massive guns. And he frees Sam from his oppressors. And not only that, but he gives Sam his very own home. He, like, he pulls out his wallet and he, go, he buys him an epic house. And he says, this is your house. You can live in that. You're no longer a slave. Eat it all up. Now, Sam is loving Fred. Freedom giving Fred is the best dude going around. And Sam is so thankful to what Fred has done for him. Fred is his hero. Sam owes everything to Fred. Now, that's a little picture of God and Israel. In the book of Exodus, which is a couple of books before Judges, um, this is a kind of picture of what we see happening to Israel. Israel have been in slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt for 400 years. And God saves them. He does mighty acts of power and he does all this crazy stuff and he saves the Israelites out of slavery. And before all he'd done that, he had promised one of their descendants that he would give them a home, that he would give them land that would be their very own where they could, they could um, raise up families there and they'd have food there. Um, they'd have shelter. It was a place where they could live and serve the Lord with all their hearts. And God kept his promise to the Israelites. Have a look down in your book in 2 verse 6. After Joshua, 
who is the leader of Israel at the time, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. Now you guys tell me, how, how do you think Israel should respond to God right now? The God who's just saved them out of slavery, 400 years in slavery, and he's given them all this land for, them to, for that to be their own home. How do you reckon Israel should respond to God right now? Yes. Yeah, they should be heaps thankful. Yeah. And let's have a look. Let's have a look how they respond. Verse 7. The people served the Lord. They served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. They're heaps thankful. They served the Lord. Um, this is... This is what you would expect, right? This is what you would hope that they would do after God had saved them out of slavery. And this is the right response. They, they serve Him. They love Him. They honor Him. They obey Him. These, these two verses that we just read, verse 6 and 7, these are the happiest verses in all the book of Judges. And that's, that's actually a sad thing because these verses, we're now done with those verses. They're over. Um, and... They finish really quickly, and what happens is the rest of the book, Israel just gets worse and worse and worse. The rest of the book just gets darker and darker and darker. And the passage that we're looking at tonight, chapter 2, this sort of chunk of chapter 2, this is actually the most important passage out of all the book of Judges to get. If you're going to get any passage, get this one, because this passage sets up a pattern for the rest of the book. So if you understand this passage, all the other chapters that are to come, you'll get it pretty good, all right? It sets up a pattern, and this pattern has five steps to it. Now, have you ever seen a pattern emerging? Maybe um, like a friend at school, they they start, they like someone, and they're all they can think about, and they think about them all week, and then finally they start dating, and they go out for like a whole seven days. But then after the seven days is up, they're kind of like, oh, you know what, they're not as good as I thought, I'm kind of over them, and then they break up. But then someone else comes along, all right? And this person is all they can think about. And guess what? You guys guess. They start dating. But after the seven days are up, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, boom, and they get over and they break up. But then <laughs> there's this other person, right? And you're going, oh, okay, there's a pattern emerging. I see what's going on here. I know what's going to happen. Give it a week, they'll be going out. Give it seven days, they won't be going out. Here, we see a pattern for the rest of the book. So if you get this pattern, you'll see exactly what's going to happen. And this pattern, this pattern is going to continue for the rest of the book, and it starts off with a really, on a really dark note. And this is the first part of the pattern, Israel sins. Have a look at verse 11. Then the Israelites, so after they've moved into the land... And after that first generation's died, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of, out of Egypt. So straight after the first generation dies off, the ones who actually responded rightly, they do evil to, in the eyes of the Lord. They worship and serve fake gods. And they become like the people around them. They worship idols. They abandon God. See that in verse 12. 
They forsook the Lord. What, to forsake, to fors- the fact that they forsook the Lord means they abandoned the, the Lord. And this is kind of like Sam the slave saying to Freedom Giving Fred, forget you, I'm done with you, I don't care what you've done for me, we're done, it's over. Now can you imagine Sam the slave saying that to Freedom Giving Fred? No way! But that's exactly what Israel does to God. And I reckon it's worth us reflecting on this for a moment. We're just like Israel, aren't we? Every one of us has been blessed by God in so many ways. You know, every, every good thing that you have in your life is a gift from God. Take a second, just think of one good thing in your life. Is it your friends, or your family, or your school, or even youth? Everything that we have, that's been given to you by God. God specifically gave that to you. And it's not like God owes us anything. We didn't, we didn't do anything to earn that stuff. Take, take the home you live in. Did, what did you guys do and what, did I, what have I done to earn the home that you live in? Nothing. God has given that to us. But how often do we thank Him for it? Or how often do we honor God in our homes? And some of you might be thinking, well, hold on there. My parents worked really hard for that home and they earned the money to buy that home. But who is it who gave your parents their jobs? And who is it who gave your parents their education or their mind so that they could study, so that they could get an education, so that they could buy a home? God. Everything is a gift from God. And we constantly fail to thank Him for it. We're just like the Israelites. Or take the fact that we weren't born as slaves like some of the Israelites were. God is the one who decided that we wouldn't be born as slaves. He has blessed us by causing us to be born in Australia at the time that we were born and we weren't born into slavery. We're born into a country where we can have food and doctors and schools, education and none of that we have earned. All of that is a gift from God and none of us have given God the thanks that He deserves for all that stuff, for our lives. So we're all guilty of sin, just like Israel. And so how does God respond to Israel's sin for abandoning Him? This is the second step in the pattern. God punishes them. Have a look at verse 14. In His anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around. Whom, uh, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as He had sworn to them. They were in great distress. So God, in His anger at Israel's sin, in their abandoning of Him, He sends the surrounding peoples and the surrounding nations to come and take over Israel and oppress them and hold them down. And God is against them as they then fight these people around them. And the Israelites are in great distress. And this isn't God being unfair. This is God being just. He's promised the Israelites that if they were to abandon Him after He'd given them all their land, after He'd freed them from slavery, then He would punish them. This is God carrying out justice against evil Israel, giving Israel what they deserve. And so now... 
with all their na- all the surrounding nations oppressing them, Israel are in great distress. And this is the next part of the pattern. Israel yells out to God. Now, if you've been reading this chapter, you'll kind of go, huh? Uh, that's not exactly how this chapter puts it. In verse 18, it says that they were groaning under the oppression of the surrounding nations. And the rest of the, the following chapters all say that they cried out to God. But you get the idea, yeah? They yell out to God. They cry out to Him. Now, but what's really interesting is that uh, this, this yelling out to God, they're not actually saying, God, forgive us. We have done you wrong. We've sinned against you. Please forgive us for what we've done. What they're actually saying is, God, help us. We're being oppressed. Please free us. That's the kind of yelling out that they're doing. And that's really important to see. Now consider with me, what should God do at this point? What should God do with Israel yelling out to him? Should God rescue them? Should he save them? Should he save this people who, after being saved out of slavery and given land, then abandon him and spit in his face? Should God save them? I reckon it would make total sense for God to just leave the Israelites in getting what they deserve, leave them in their punishment. But check out what God does. Verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. This is the next step in the pattern. God raises up judges to save them. Now, when we read this verse, when we read verse 16, you're meant to be going, what? Why would, Israel, why would God do this for Israel? Who, why, why would God do this to sinful Israel who spits in God's face time and time again? This, the same Israel who abandoned the Lord, the same Israel who wouldn't say even, they wouldn't even say sorry to God. They just cry out and say, help me. Why would God save them? This is amazing grace that God would raise up a judge. It's kind of like this. Um, imagine you've got freedom giving Fred, right? And after he saved Sam the slave, he said, okay, I've now saved you. I've given you a home to live in. You're no longer a slave. And, but now I want you to do three things for me. Now that I've done all this for you, um, I'd really like it if we could be friends. You've got to be my mate. And he says, and I'd love it if you'd come around for dinner and um, we'll hang out. And the third thing is, when I go on holidays, I'd love it if you could take care of my dog and feed my dog. And Sam's like, well, of course, you've done so much for me. You've given me a home, saved me from slavery. Of course, I'll do these three easy things for you, these three things. But Sam doesn't keep his end of the bargain. He knows that that was a sweet deal, but he doesn't keep his end of the bargain. He, he ignores freedom giving Fred. He still comes over to his house, but he like frisbees plates at Fred's head whenever he turns around, and he smashes plates on his way out, and he, re- he repeatedly runs over Fred's dog. He comes over to his house specifically to run over his dog. But now, Sam, the, the once slave... Now he's in some trouble, and he's got a gambling debt. He's got a, he's got a gambling problem, right? And he starts gambling away all his money, and pretty soon he loses his house. And so now he's in distress, and he's yelling out, and he doesn't know what to do. And so he yells out to Fred. Now, what do you reckon Fred should do? 
Does Fred owe him anything? No way. This guy intentionally, multiple times, ran over his dog. He doesn't owe him anything. That's like Israel and God in this situation. Should we expect God to help out Israel? No way. But, verse 16, he does. God raises up a judge to save them. When we read verse 16, we're meant to be scratching our heads in wonder. And now, surely they'll turn. Surely Israel will love God for what he's done again, right? Surely now they've got to respond to his grace with thanks. Surely now they've got to want to serve him out of all their hearts for what he's done. But, have a look at verse 19. This is the last step in the pattern. The judge dies and Israel sinks even lower than before. Verse 19. But when the judge died, the people returned to the ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshipping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn waves. God gave the undeserving Israelites judges, saviors or leaders, that kind of means. He gave them guys to lead them and to save them. And then... As soon as the judges died, the people, they just go straight back to their old ways. The judge dies and they sink even lower than before. They get worse than before. And that is the five-point pattern of judges that completes the cycle. Israel sins. God punishes them. Israel yells out to God. God raises up a judge to save them. And he does. But then the judge dies, and Israel sinks even lower than before. And so this is, it's not just a pattern, it's actually more like a spiral, because at the end of each judge, once the judge is dead, Israel gets even worse, and worse, and worse. And so they get darker, and darker, and darker. The spiral just keeps going down, and down, and down. And that's, the, that's a big point of judges, now, what's that, meant, what's that meant to show us? I reckon it's meant to show us two big things. Uh, the, the people that God used to save Israel, the judges who God raised up to save Israel, they couldn't fix the problem. They couldn't fix the problem of sin. So as soon as the judge dies, Israel just returns straight to their evil. And in fact, they get even more evil. The judges couldn't save the people from the power of sin. They couldn't put an end to the power of sin that sin had over the Israelites. And then the second thing which comes out of that is that, um, that that tells us that we need a better savior than these judges. We need someone who can rescue us from the power of sin, who can turn us back to God, not just rescue us from the surrounding nations, but actually rescue us from the power of sin. And turn us back to God to love Him and live for Him and serve Him as we were created to do. Now, who do you reckon that is? Who do you reckon that great Savior is that we need who's better than these judges? I see one hand. I reckon you all know. It's Jesus. So once again, Jesus is the ultimate Savior. Jesus is the ultimate judge or leader who God raises up to save His people. 
Because he and he alone can rescue us from the power of sin and bring us back to God. And so once again, we see the Old Testament, or specifically this book from the Old Testament, Judges, is a big arrow doing what? Just pointing to Jesus. The whole book of Judges is a massive arrow pointing towards Jesus. I've got two big points of application for you as you read through the book of Judges over the next few weeks. The first one, don't make the mistake of thinking that you or us, that we are better than the Israelites. We are not. I reckon it's heaps easy to to think that the Israelites were the worst dudes going around. Um, God saved them out of slavery, so how could they abandon him? God gave them this awesome land, a home. How could they... How could they not serve him in it? God even gives them judges to save them from the surrounding nations. How could they not be thankful to God and love him and serve him with all their hearts? But we're exactly the same. We are all born with the same heart as the Israelites. God decided that you wouldn't be born into slavery. And God gave you the house that you live in. God gives you the food that you eat every day and the breath that you're breathing right now to keep you alive. So how could we ever sin against God? We're no better than the Israelites. They are just a picture to us that God's recorded for us in his word of all humanity. This is what all humanity is like. We're not better than them. They're a picture of humanity. We've all offended God. We all deserve punishment from God. And if you've just realized that tonight, I reckon there could be some people here tonight who've just realized that they need forgiveness from God, that they, that you haven't actually lived how God wants you to be living. And if that is you, can I urge you tonight, straight after the talk when we go into discussion groups, talk to your leader or talk to them after the game and ask them how you can become right with God because he has made a way for you to come back. And it's through his son, Jesus. And in him, you can find forgiveness from God. So if you're wanting to do that, talk to your leader. Ask about how you can be forgiven for living the way we all have and become uh, friends with God again. That's the first one. The second one is, this is specifically for the Christians among us. Um, Strive to be different to the Israelites who continually ignored God and disobeyed him, even though he'd saved them. So you see, while we are no better off, we are no better than the Israelites, that's true. Uh, You too were disobedient to God and you too did deserve to be punished. But Christians, uh, God has sent the ultimate saviour to bring you back to himself. Um, He's saved you from not just surrounding threats, but from your greatest enemy, sin and death. God sent Jesus to save you and you've now escaped God's wrath and eternal punishment. So you're friends with God now. You're forgiven, justified, forever. So strive to obey Him. Don't be like the Israelites who, after being saved from the physical threats, return to their sin. Because you've been saved from that. You've been saved from your sin, rescued from that. So keep striving to obey Jesus. How about I pray? Father, we are all sinful. Uh, We see that the Israelites are just a picture to us of all humanity, us included. Um, 
and we are sorry for that. And Father, we want to thank you so much for how merciful you were to the Israelites in raising up judges continually. And Father, we want to thank you even more for being merciful to us, for raising up Jesus to die in our place, to live in our place, to save us from the power of sin, to rescue from us from that and bring us back to you. We're heaps thankful for that, God. And we pray now that you would please uh, help us to love you because of that and help us to become more like Jesus. In his name, amen.